Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. A couple hours that could scare the living daylights out of you. But Reverend Sean P. Whittington is with us, an ordained exorcist, deliverance minister, ghostbuster, lecturer, teacher of paranormal studies at a Bible college and theological seminary. Sean and his wife, Sharon, who is also an ordained Lutheran minister and intuitive, are both survivors of extreme demonic attacks. We'll find out what happened. And together they have more than 40 years of field experience. They have founded and operate what is called Ghost B, dash there, Ghost B Gone, which is a spiritual warfare service based in Las Vegas, Nevada, assisting with paranormal issues of various types and severity. And Reverend, welcome to the program. First time for you, I understand. <laughs> Mr. Nori, I know I can retire now because it's never going to get better for me than this. I understand you did some Navy stints, too. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Me, too. Nine years for me. Very good. I did one four-year tour when I was uh, actually celebrated my 21st birthday out at sea. And uh, my father was a 25-year retired Master Chief from the Navy. Oh, that's great. Uh, Served both in uh, World War II, Korea. Uh, naval intelligence, all of that good stuff. So a uh, Navy family for sure. That's great. Yeah, my dad was in the Army, World War II. Uh, I never saw any action while I was there for my nine years, but uh, I had fun and met a lot of great guys. Will we ever have another generation like the greatest generation? I, I don't know. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think, I don't so, think either. so either. It's It's sad. And I miss my father. He's in heaven right now, but oh my gosh. You know, it is what it is. Uh, an interview with an exorcist at midnight on Coast to Coast. Uh, <laughs> could you and I have written a better script? Oh, it's perfect. And we're getting closer to Halloween, so it's yeah. perfect. How did you get involved in this? Um, kicking and screaming. Literally. Yeah. Well, you know, before we start, I, I wouldn't be doing... You know this interview tonight is a direct uh, result of divine intervention. Probably. That's right. I prayed to be on your show... I'm here, and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't at least offer an opening prayer of protection uh, if you're up for that. Um, we are going to have talk about some dark subjects. There are going to be things listening that will not want you and I to discuss these topics. If you want me to start the show with a protection prayer over you and your studio, then I will. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay, too. How long is it, just so I can time it? It's just, it's very quick, 30 seconds maybe. Do it, do it, go for it. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, in thy name, I ask thee to bind and silence all powers and forces that do not accept thee as Lord and King, in the air, in the water, in the ground, the netherworld, and nature, and the spiritual world. I ask thee to bind all demonic action and demonic communication. Lord, seal this whole place, all of us here and all our intentions in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mary, we ask thee to surround us with thy mantle of protection and crush Satan's power in our lives. St. Michael the Archangel, we ask you and all your guardian angels to defend us in battle against Satan and the powers of darkness. Amen. And what is that supposed to do for us, Reverend? That is a prayer of authority. We're letting these things know that it doesn't matter what they try to do to silence us tonight. Um, and they'll try. Some way, yes, some way the message, we will make sure it, it will get out one way or another. And, um, and to not um, follow, 
you home or any of your staff home or or hang around here after the show in my home, which is active enough as it is. I live in a haunted home. So it's to just to take authority over all of that. And uh, in terms of attachment of these demons, why does it seem like they're able to do it? You would think that we could fight them off so easily. And you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, people have lost their faith uh-huh. in life, and they don't know how to fight these things. So they're easy targets, and once uh, these demons get their talons sunk into their victims, um, it's very hard to get uh, them to release their victims, especially if the victim has no religious belief system in place and doesn't know how to fight them back, doesn't know how to reach out for people like me, and doesn't know when to allow someone like me to help them and and do the types of things I require from them to help me help them. Next time I get to Vegas, we need to get together. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. My wife and I, we are work, and when we're not working, we're working cases, and when we're not working cases, we're here doing a number of other things. We don't get out and have much fun. We are uh, not downtown in Vegas gambling all the time, doing that nonsense. So uh, my feelings would be truly hurt if you swing through town and we don't at least uh, meet up for a, a cup of coffee. All right. Well, I'll definitely. I don't drink coffee, but uh, I'll have a soda or something like that. Okay. <laughs> Depends on what time it is. Maybe if it's later, I'll have a glass of wine. Perfect. And my, wi- my wife will join you. She, she likes to nurse a, uh, every once in a while, if the occasion is a big occasion, uh, nurse a Kahlua and milk. Tell us drink. what happened to you and Sharon. You were both survivors of what they say are extreme demonic attacks. Tell us what happened. Well, when I first met my wife, she was already an ordained, uh, certified Stephen minister through her Lutheran church. Sensitive, intuitive, uh, near-death experience survivor a couple of times over. Okay. Uh, passion for the paranormal. I already was a ghostbuster for many years, since about the age of 10. And uh, that was a passion for me, too. So we started ghostbegone.biz and just started basically ghostbusting, ghost hunting, ghostbusting, you name it. And I made a very big mistake uh, at a case, which I didn't recognize at the time was a demonic case. And I used a Ouija board. And oh, no. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Probably the biggest mistake in my career. And uh, I truly believe that um, my ignorance there, my extreme ignorance there, opened a door and allowed something at this case, which was very ugly. It was a newlyweds. And they, she was the, the wife was being basically raped by an unseen force while laying in bed next to her husband at night. Whenever he tried to intervene, he would come under attack. And then the attacks just progressed in severity when she was in the shower, when she was entertaining at a party in her home, sitting there just watching TV or sitting on her back porch having a so- smoke. It um, got really bad. So at this case, we used a Ouija board. And that very night, um, it's about 3 in the morning. It's always 3 in the morning. And, and we're driving that's, home. That's and my kind of a witchy over. time, isn't it? <laughs> and it is back east right now. Whoever's listening back east in the witching hour for you that's and I right. here. But her phone rings. And there's, we have caller ID, and I, there's no number on her phone. I thought it might be the client. So I told her, Sharon, go ahead and answer it. So she did. There was no one there. We came home, and it started that night with severe night terrors, and we could envision a black cloud 
hovering over our bed like a like a, a an actual storm cloud in our master bedroom hovering over our bed swooping down on us swooping back up to the ceiling swooping down and back and we ended up having a water main in the floor in that room burst that night so it flooded us out of the master bedroom and we went to sleep on a california queen that we had to purchase in the living room we're still you know eight years later we're still sleeping in that living room because we don't want the memories of that of things that happened in the master bedroom were so awful that we don't want to go back in there why don't you just get out of the house (laughs) um well, I'll tell you, there's, there's, there's a, a good ending to this story. This is our home, and one of the last things you want to do is allow these things, they're gangsters, they're bullies, is to let them move you out of your home. You, you need to fight back. Unless it's a matter of life and death, which a lot of times it is, you need to fight back. You need to get on your hands and knees and pray for Jesus Christ to come down and intervene in your life at that moment and help you, and you need to fight back. That's what you really need to do. Sometimes does that work and, and, you know, not work, I should say, and a person has to leave? Absolutely. It happens all the time. But you should fight back. Well, but you've been out of your bedroom for how many years now? Well, you know what? We got comfortable out there. The dogs sleep with us. The uh, guest bathroom's right there. The entertainment unit's right there. The kitchen's right there. It's much quieter. Uh, the master bedroom's up near a street. Um, so it's quieter there, and we just made that one of uh, my wife's office. She actually is uh, an office manager at a You mean the other room? So that's her office. We turned it into an office. So you're using it for something? Absolutely. Okay. But we didn't want to go back and sleep in there again. And so it just escalated from there. I couldn't go outside of my house. Uh, they manipulate the environment. I would have birds attacking me, bees attacking me, strange cats attacking me. I'd have children, noise of children playing in our garage. I'd go out there. There'd be no children out there. And then um, it got uglier and uglier, and I reached out into the paranormal community for help because I had no clue what it was I was dealing with. And I got introduced to my then mentor, who took me under her wing and walked me through how to fight this thing. And we we were in a battle for our lives, literally, for about eight weeks. and That's intense. I, well, as soon as I got this thing out of the house, my wife comes home from work, and she's talking to me like she's having a stroke. And I asked her if there was something wrong, and she goes, well, I have, my, my mouth hurts. I said, well, go to the dentist. You probably lost a filling or cracked a tooth or something. Well, the dentist immediately saw there was something else going on. She ended up coming down with three very rare forms of cancer, of, of the mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah, she had a squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue. She had medullary thyroid cancer, which is the worst of the two. It spreads. There's no cure. Throat cancer and the medullary also spread to all these lymph nodes in her neck. And that's why dentists are checking people like this all the time now. Yeah. It's, the, attack was, the attack was insidious, and she was given a death sentence. She was told she wasn't going to make it through this. Jeez. You know, she had a feeding tube in for well over a year couldn't drink water at one point, couldn't talk for many months. Many nights I laid next to her in bed, positive I was going to wake up in the morning and she'd be dead. That's how bad she was. She went from like 130 pounds to like 90 pounds. It was, it was bad. So 
I took a page out of my mother's book, which she taught me many, many years ago while she was still alive. You know, you need God's help. You crawl on your hands and knees in church and throw yourself on the altar, and you beg for him to, you know, to intervene in your life and, and you know, help you, which is what I did. I would sneak out at night to an all-night prayer chapel, and I would crawl on my hands and knees from the front door to the altar and beg for my wife's life. So just when I thought all all was lost, a friend of mine back east, he's an atheist, he um, was actually moments away from dying. He was had advanced colon cancer. And he called me from his deathbed, and he told me that he had just seen God, and God told him to tell me Sharon was going to live and that I needed to continue to fight those responsible. And so I was teetering on if I wanted to continue on the path to become mm-hmm. ordained or if I wanted to get out of the field. But that hit me like a bolt of lightning, and I realized, um, um, and this is, these are things that we can also discuss in the show, but I realized from many, many things that happened to me from being a young child and things my parents told me that I was meant, I was created for this. I was meant to be on this path. You were born for it. Yes. And, and so I, you know... I got back into it, um, but um, it was there were some very doubtful moments when I, I really thought that uh, I wasn't going to be up up for the task. And how was your wife? Well, 35 straight treatments of radiation in her mouth, eight weeks of chemo, which almost killed her, uh, several surgeries. Uh, I'm happy to report the last full-body MRI and CT just recently performed show no metastasis anywhere of the disease in her body. Great. So God came through for me, and um, now I owe him. And I have to, um, I have to continue uh, fighting this battle. Well, I have a feeling that uh, you have been uh, supporting him for a long time, and maybe that's <laughs> one of the reasons why he's taken care of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, these, these people who come to you for help, what do they ask? How do they even bring this up, these topics? Well, usually they sound like crazy people by the time they get to me, God bless them, because they're, they're at pretty much at rock bottom. They're scared to reach out to anybody for help for fear that somebody's going to think they're, they're, they're crazy. They're nuts. Ridicule. Absolutely. And usually one of my first questions is, uh, do you have a, um, a religious belief system in place? Do you attend a church? And the ones that do have, a, um, whether it's Christian or Catholic or one of the other uh, religions, and they belong to a church or frequent a church, I'll ask them, did you go there for help first? And 99.9% of them say, yes, I did, and nobody there will help me. So that's depressing. Why, why is that? I don't know, but that's very depressing. Sure. So I, um, especially when people reach out for that kind of assistance and help. Absolutely. But there's a good, there's usually that turns out to be a good case. We may be battling something for quite some time, depending on how the severity of the situation, but at least now I know I have something to work with. When I have people call me that, no, I don't believe in God, but there's something going on here. That's weird. I need it. I need it out of my house. Um, uh, that's probably another one of my um, many failures that I continue to um, try to get rid of. This. I do all the time. Is there something 
that I'm missing there, that I'm not able to connect with these people and get them to allow me to help them the way I need to. Do you have that's to heartbreak? Do you have to believe in God in order for you to be able to get this demon out of their place? Well, at the very least, they need to believe in some higher power, something of love and light that watches over us and protects us. That is more powerful than this dark, low vibrational, nasty thing mm-hmm. that you know is trying to turn their life upside down and possibly, you know, kill, break the family up for sure, but perhaps kill someone or more than one person in the family. And so, yes, that it, that's at least a prerequisite that they have some belief in some type of higher power of love and light that is watching over us, that we can reach to for help when we're at our, you know, uh, most dire straits. A place that may have some demonic spirits or the individual has, you know, been attached. What percent of them do you conduct exorcisms? Not, um, well, I wake up every morning and I pray, of course, that I never have to perform another exorcism again. It's dangerous, isn't it? Yes, it's very dangerous, and you can't get a lot of people to assist you. And when you finally have a very close-knit, small group of people that you can trust to come and assist you on an exorcism, there's so much involved, getting the the um, the family to sign off on it, uh, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and making sure everybody's on board. And uh, it, it is very dangerous. You lose a lot more of them than you win. And it's just, it's um, it is a very scary situation. I'm only human. You know, I have, I still have fears. Mm-hmm. I have a healthy fear and healthy respect, if people can understand what I mean by that, of these things. They're all-knowing, they're older than time, they're very powerful, and just to simply say that they hate us uh, isn't, I'm not adequately expressing in words what they truly feel for us. It's, if you could imagine the, the worst serial killer ever to walk the earth and how he felt towards human life times that by infinity and that's just one demon listen to more coast to coast am every weeknight at 1 a.m eastern and go to coast to coast for more